Hello, and welcome to Hearth Talk. In today's episode, we'll speak with Walter Goodridge, who first imported longa stoves into the United States in the mid-1970s. He went on to become the importer of HS Tarn boilers from Denmark. Although he left the business in the early 1980s, he remains to this day a committed wood burner. Hello, Walter. Hey, Craig. Hi. Walter, I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about your history in the stove business. Uh, I've only gotten small tidbits of it because our our paths really haven't crossed. But I, I do know that when I imported the HS Tarn boilers that, that you were the first person to import those boilers in the United right. States. And I also heard that you imported the longest stoves for a period. So I'd like to turn on the Wayback Machine and have you tell us when you started and how you started in the stove business. It was the early 70s, and people say, gee, I must have been smart to get into it at that time. It wasn't smart. It was luck. I was heating with wood. Uh, I enjoyed using it, and I wanted to manufacture a stove. Well, I thought I would before doing that, see what was available in Europe, maybe import it. So I took a trip and was lucky enough to find the Longa Company. I went to other foundries. Most of them were much more advanced than Longa, and so they had thrown away their old patterns. Longa, a kind of backwards company, a backward company, had not innovated very much, and they still had their old product line. Well, it turned out that old product line was just perfect. For the United States, yodel stoves were here already, and they, they were getting popular, but they were a little small, and the longest stove, the big longest stove, was so perfect because it took 24-inch logs, uh, even even a little more than that. And where where was Longa located? What country were they in at the time? Denmark, Svenborg, Denmark, where they had been for a hundred and some odd years. Did they have their own foundry there? Yep, they had their own foundry, and they had their sand casting um, done with patterns and in forms that were put on the floor as it had been done probably 100 years prior. Uh, yeah, floor, and, floor casting. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they, didn't, they didn't have an automatic machine or anything. I've, I've they, seen other, that. Other foundries had machines called a desomatic, in fact. The Tassel Boiler Company, which I also got to know and bought some boilers from, had this automatic type of automatic machinery, as did many places, but not longer. They had guys in, uh, in uh, steel-toed uh, clogs carrying the crucibles and hand-pouring every cast part. <laughs> My, they made they made some really beautiful stoves that way. I'll they tell did. you, they I'll did, tell yeah. you that. So, so you go over there looking to you know either get information about making a stove or importing a stove, and and you connected with Longa. I did, uh, and I bought one stove, and I air freighted it, and I uh, had it here. I, I I used it in my house, and I put an ad in a penny saver paper, and people came and looked at it, and very quickly. I had uh, orders for mm, maybe 30 or 40. This was in, in probably a matter of a few weeks, maybe a month. And this is a, a local penny saver in western Massachusetts? You just yeah. placed a little yeah. little classified yeah. or a little yeah, display? Yeah, the ad probably cost me three bucks. 
Three dollars, okay. And I, and I ran it every every week for a little while, and the thing was clearly going to be interesting and popular. So I went and I I probably had to borrow some money. I don't quite know how I financed it, but I ordered fifty of them. They came into the port of Boston. I rented a truck, and I I did. I just had a house that I had just built and uh, stuff outside all over the place. No place to put these things. So. I called everybody up and said they had to pick them up over this one weekend, and they were covered with tarps, and my friend Peter Jeswold and I set up office on a stump, and we had a little sales book. <laughs> People would drive up, and with my bucket loader, we'd load up the stoves, and away they went. So uh, your first office was in a stump in western Massachusetts? It was in the woods, it was in the woods on a stump. Absolutely. And what time of year was this? Was it cold, do you remember? It was getting cold, but it wasn't cold yet. It was probably September. So you sold this first 50, and you sold sold them out. Sold them out, and uh, then I was ready to order more. And I thought, gee whiz, maybe I ought to find a distributor. No, a dealer. I want to find a dealer, or dealers. And one of the first dealers that I called was Scandinavian Stoves up in uh, New Hampshire, in in, uh, Alstead, run by uh, Dave and Audrey Lyle. And Dave and Audrey came down, and they said, well, that's all very good, but we, we, we really don't. They were uh, distributing uh, yodel stoves, or maybe they were retailing them. I'm not sure. But they said, we don't want to, uh, to be a dealer. We want to be a distributor. We want to be the distributor. So over supper that night, and maybe then a following visit up to their place, we decided I would import them and they would distribute them. And <laughs> then for... Three, four years, that's the way it went. We would have our meetings over supper. I would import them. I would mark up each container uh, 10%, and I would do all the Denmark end of the work, quality control, production, ordering, shipping, freight, and so forth, to get them here. So they would take it from there. They stocked the parts. They supplied the dealers. They published the... uh, catalogs and information they did the advertising oh that's a interesting arrangement it was a great arrangement for both of us we i think we were both very very satisfied i certainly was we became very very good friends they were wonderful people and they did a wonderful job part way through that relationship uh the longer people introduced me to the people up at uh, hs tarm also terrific people, and, and I bought a few boilers. I guess I bought five of them and had them go down uh, to Long and Svenborg, and they came over in a container. And a similar thing happened. I, I sold them fairly easily, although not as easily. And so we gradually segued into the boiler business, finding it much more complicated, basically because the dealers, the mom-and-pop dealers of stoves, didn't know plumbing, and plumbers didn't know wood burning, and, well, you know that whole story. That became a much more difficult business, but uh, we were there at the right time in the late 70s when oil prices really went up, and we really sold all we could get of the boilers. With the boilers, you didn't work this same type of an arrangement? No, the Lyles weren't interested, so, so now... I had to learn to distribute and distribute a much more difficult product that where approvals were necessary and laws were different in different states and uh, it was it was very very much more difficult but we did get on the cover of an issue of popular mechanics that certainly helped us a lot and at the height of the boiler business we probably had 25 employees 
probably more than we really needed. But the height of, the, of that business, we actually took a whole bunch of our dealers to Denmark where they visited the factory. And that was par- partially paid for by the Danish government. One year, we got an award for, I forget what it was called, it was the Danish Export Award. And that year, uh, I was told by a shipping company that we used that second to Lego, we were the biggest importer to the port of Boston from Europe in, in one year. I don't know, maybe it was 78, 79, something like that. So we brought in a lot of boilers, and we were... We, at this point, had stopped stoves, not by choice. The Lyles had decided to not distribute any longer. They wanted to retire, so uh, they wanted to sell their business. And in order to sell it, they needed some contract to guarantee exclusivity, which up until then, we had had. Once I started importing those stoves from Denmark, part of my job was to make sure we were the only people who imported those stoves. That went along fine on a handshake with the people in Denmark. But when the Lyles wanted a written agreement, the longer people said, okay, but the whole thing got messed up by a unscrupulous business broker the Lyles were using. And when he saw the numbers and what a good business this was, he went running around our backs to Longa and said, hey, don't give them a contract. Let's you and I go into this business. It was uh, quite amazing, quite a story. I was over in Denmark and uh, uh, learned this, and I had Dave fly over the next day. But in any event. This turned out to be a, a real mess. Now, was this around 1979, 1980, yeah, 1981? Yeah, a little before that. Okay, so really before the TARM business really, really went crazy. That's right. And so for me... It wasn't the, the, the terrible loss it was for the Lyles because they built up a beautiful business and had it stolen. And in fact, it was really uh, very foolish of, of the Longa company because in the partnership that they formed, they went from selling, oh, maybe I've forgotten the numbers, but in our, in our time of importing them, we, we, we brought in at least 10,000 of them. And I think they did a few hundred the first year they took over. <laughs> I may be making that number up. But, but. the stove, I, I can vouch for the fact that we got into the business in 1978, and that was almost the high point uh, of Longa, right. you know, that, that basically when all the other stoves started doing real well in 1979, Longa was all already and also ran, and then they yep. sort of almost disappeared, which is yep. probably what you're referring to when, right. this, when this mess started. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, let's get back into the TARM thing. Sure. Now, you were bringing lots of these. Like, uh, can you even remember how many containers or how often these containers were coming in, say, in, in 1979, 1980? Oh, at a point, I would say we were probably – we had one or two containers coming in every uh, week or ten days. We were we were bringing in, an, in in all we could get, and at that point, we still couldn't get enough, so we went and – H.S. Tarm people came over and helped us set up some manufacturing here with a, uh, a shop in Connecticut. And uh, that was a, a lot of work, but we actually made the boilers here. As and I remember, that was, was that MB55s or just one certain? Right. Yeah, it was that one was, certain boiler. That one boiler, yeah. 
That's right. And you actually did it successfully. The the grapevine sort of I remember hearing about it, and they said, "Boy, this was this proved how much craftsmanship was in the boilers. Uh, that how hard it was to uh, to replicate the production here." Well, we didn't have quality problems with them. It, what the hard part was just getting it all up and going. It worked out pretty well. I don't know that it was cost effective in the long run because it was, there were just tremendous upfront costs. The boom didn't last right long, by the time you enough. got by the time you probably really really got up to speed you didn't Denmark was probably saying, "Hey, we want to sell you those boilers yeah that's right so so, so I remember the popular mechanics this was a, a cover article in nineteen seventy nine I can date it because when I owned h s Tarm, this was even into the mid nineties I still had people calling me saying. I read that article and I put it away because I was going to build a house someday. So if you really want to talk about, you know, one article being able to create a massive amount of business over, you know, over virtually decades. And I still even got inquiries in the mail relating to that, uh, to that article. So, I mean, this, this was a real shot in the arm from what I had heard from, from some of the uh, oh, yeah. former people that work there. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. But yet, the energy crisis started to uh, fade a little bit. You know, the 1979... More than a little bit. (laughs) More than a little bit. Yeah. And when did you sell uh, the HS Tarn business? Uh, Probably 1980, 81. Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. So, but, but now what was your reasoning for... I mean, even though business had probably started to go down and you could see, uh, you know... That it, that it might head further down, it was still quite a viable business. So well, what was your reason for deciding to get out of the uh, physical end of the stove business or boiler business? Well, I had a few reasons. One was that I was personally less and less interested in the way they were being sold, that is, through the plumbing and heating wholesalers. That, that, that work was less enjoyable Dealing with those people was less enjoyable. Their expectations were much greater than the mom-and-pop people. And so I was a little tired of that. Um, And also, I wanted the business to succeed. And I thought one of the very best ways (laughs) for the business to cut costs would be to get rid of me. Uh, We had to get rid of some people, and we did. And then I thought, well, it could be me too. I uh, felt a, a strong obligation to the people in Denmark because they were the greatest and they helped me so much that I thought this might actually be a very good way to keep the business viable. I didn't think that I was necessarily any better than Al Koenig at um, keeping the business uh, going. And I think that's the reason I decided it. Uh, And... uh, I think it was probably a good decision. Uh, I think that it probably did help keep things going for Al for a while, and then, of course, you came along. Right. I I sort of picked up the scraps. I I should mention for our listeners that uh, Al Koenig was the person who owned the importing rights and and ran the business out of Conway, Massachusetts, when I was just a retailer, and then I became a distributor. And then when Al wanted to sell the business, when uh, he got tired of it, and he actually went back to law school and became a lawyer, 
he came to me since I was his largest distributor and sold the business. And if I was to date that, boy, I'm going to say sometime around 1989, 1988. And then I owned it till 1994, at which time I sold the importing rights to Nichols Hardware and the people in uh, in Lyme, New Hampshire. And their son, I think, still runs still runs the business now. So, yeah, yep. so the last 14 years or so, and and all that time, say from about 1986 to probably Y2K, a good 15 years there, uh, the sales were so low as to uh, you know make owning it a real exercise, both for myself and I'm not saying I didn't make any money, but it was very hard work and the the amount of business done was, uh, you know, we talked about uh, a container every month or two as opposed to a couple containers a week, uh, you know, that it, that it was at those times. So, so now here it is, 1981, you've, you've, we'll say you've uh, transferred the business over to Al. From that point till today, you pretty much dropped out of the solid fuel business. You haven't, have you been connected in any way to the, uh, to wood burning avid wood burner and I have been for 35 years and I last year installed uh, one of the um, gasifying boilers and I went to Nichols and got it. Oh, so you have a tarm in your house. Oh, I've always had one. I, I had <laughs> one from the first load then I had a, an MB55 that I had for many years and then I guess it was two years ago I swapped that out for a brand new base burning type with hot water storage oh nice! i like it very much nice a, a number of our uh, forum members we have an area on our forum called the boiler room where people talk about boilers and it gets pretty deep with the storage and with in fact we have uh, one member whose name is no fossil that's his screen name and he actually has real-time monitoring equipment hooked up uh, you can go to a link uh, on his signature on the forum, and you can get graphs of the input temperature, the chimney temperature, everything, all the different uh, outputs of his uh, gasification boil. It's pretty. We have some pretty neat folks, you know, talking about these things and and working out the the best possible systems. Now, how about freestanding stoves? Over the years uh, since that time, have you had anything freestanding, or have you pretty much stayed with the central heat? Uh, no, all this time I have heated my house with uh, the very first longest stove that I brought in. In fact, I'm only a few feet from it right now. Wow. This is the stove that started it all. This is the stove that people came and saw that I sold from. And I use it, uh, I'm using it tonight, though it's April, it's yeah. a little cold. And the central heat uh, is supplementary in the house. It provides my domestic hot water, and its main job is to heat my uh, shop and my wife's studio. Uh, but it's always there as backup for the house as well. So, so when you're basking in the heat of that longest stove, do you often think, or or does it just completely leave your mind about you know what was involved in that stove and the history that's behind it and and all this other stuff, or or is it sort of like an old friend and and bring back a lot of that? It brings back a lot. Uh, uh, I'm very attached to, well, that stove, but just to, to stoves in general. If In the winter, if I'm in a house that doesn't have a stove, I'm always feeling a little funny and wanting to find the heat source that I can back up to. I'm just so accustomed to having uh, 
that nice hot source of heat. I like to uh, go over there and squat, sip a cup of tea. I'll even read next to it. Uh, I think I always will. I mean, it's just, a, it's for me, a, a more than just making the house warm. It's in your blood. I suppose, yeah. <laughs> well, Walter, I really thank you for sharing some of that history with us, and I think our listeners are going to be able to tell by your last statements that you're a, a, a true wood burner. They're going to recognize a lot of their own thoughts in that idea of uh, not feeling at home you know, unless they, they have a stove running. And, uh, hey, if possible, I'd love to sometime get emailed a snapshot of that stove or you buy that stove or something of that nature just for, uh, yeah. Just yeah. for historical sake. So. Yeah. Sure, we can do that. Okay, I really appreciate it. All right, well, this was fun. Okay, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Well, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this and learned something from Walter. I sure did. See you next time.